You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Green Bay Packers are still leading the NFC North, but they're not that far ahead of where the Bears have been the last couple of weeks. Welcome into this Crossover Wednesday edition of the Locked On Bears podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I cover the Chicago Bears for Bears Wire. I'm here to bring you your daily Chicago Bears news and analysis, and today we'll be joined by Peter Bukowski, the host of Locked on Packers, to let us know everything we need to know about Green Bay heading into Sunday's matchup. We'll find some of the vulnerabilities on this Packers defense that could bode well for an aggressive Mitchell Trubisky, and we'll look at what type of matchups this Bears defense could be in for going up against a Packers offense looking to get other weapons involved. Before we get going, just another reminder to submit your questions for our weekly mailbag podcast. Every Friday we play your voicemails and read your text messages and emails. Just give us a call. The phone number is 312-620-8590. Ask your question and hear it answered on Friday's podcast. With that, I'll turn it over to Peter Bukowski from Locked On Packers. It is time for yet another Crossover Wednesday with our old friend Lauren. And circumstances have changed a lot since we last talked. Yeah, the, the the stakes continue to go higher, but the Bears' chances continue to go lower. But I think they're still going to really treat this like a playoff game, like they're the game of their season. And I think there's going to be a, a real intensity to this game, similar, I think, to some of the Week 1 intensity. But like you said, very different paths to getting here. We've seen this Packers offense in the last couple of weeks, you know, playing against some lesser opponents, much like the Bears have in their recent stretch, you know, the Giants and Washington. And I wonder if, you know, have you gotten much of a sense of like how Green Bay has been able to sort of adapt to the quality of opponent that they're facing, right? I mean, they've kind of, they've sort of, you know, they had a difficult matchup as everyone does with San Francisco. And then were they able to build some confidence against New York and Washington or were there, were there some struggles there that, you know, how, how is sort of that balance of like where this team stands right now? Are, are they as good as a 10 and three team should be? I don't think they, they believe that they're playing to their potential. I think that's the easiest way to phrase it because Matt LaFleur, this is, he is not someone who likes to sit in front of the media and answer questions. And I know that's, that's true of most football coaches, not most football coaches are not, Sean McVay, who likes to stand up there and hold court, he he wants to talk football and he wants to do football. He wants to be studying film. He wants to be diagnosing. He wants to be designing plays. After the game on Sunday against Washington, he got up and started the conversation by saying, we left a lot of plays on the field. That was like, he before anyone asked even, even asked any questions, he started with, I'm disappointed. And what we found out after the fact was he went right upstairs after the press conference and cut the film on and and started preparations. And he came in Monday, and I thought this was really interesting, came in Monday in much better spirits. And I think watching the, the tape, what he saw was an offense that works schematically, it works philosophically. Now they have to get everyone on the same page and executing 
every little detail of it. He said, you know, this is starts with coaching. We need to be on their details and they need to know the why of every play. Why? It's not just what your assignment is. Why? Because if you know the why, you know, I think just from a, a pedagogy standpoint, you're you're more effectively expressing to the, the players what their assignment is and it, and it helps them internalize it a little bit better. I, I think as I watch the offense, I see a similar thing. The, the plays work and, the, you know, some plays work better than others just as a, as a concept. It's the execution of it, whether it's an offensive lineman misses a block here, a receiver misses uh, a side adjustment here. Rodgers gets antsy in the pocket and bails and the play, the timing of the play is off or Rodgers misses a throw or a receiver drops a pass. They're just, they haven't really hit that, that stride yet where for 60 minutes, the offense just can't be stopped. I think the closest we saw was that Philly game and they, they still turned the ball over in that game on a sack fumble. And then at the end without Devontae Adams, they couldn't move it. So they're still trying to find some consistency and that makes this week and the next week against Minnesota particularly tough. They got to find that consistency in a hurry if they want to do some work against these really good defenses. I know one of the struggles for Green Bay this season has been trying to consistently find that go-to option not named Devontae Adams. You know, they've gotten Alan Lazard in there and uh, uh, Valdez Scantling and Geronimo Allison and and I, even like last week against Washington, it felt like they were rotating every tight end. Uh, they could possibly find on the street. Like Robert Tanyan had a touchdown and Jay Sternberger was getting in there. Uh, wh- where's sort of your your confidence level in receivers not named Devontae Adams at this point? You know, the interesting thing is this was this is something that I think a lot of Packer fans and a lot of people in the media uh, have consternated over. And I watch this team on tape every week and go, guys are open. Pretty consistently, guys are open. Now, there are obviously plays. Washington did an awesome job in zone coverage passing people off. And you look at the Chargers game. They also did a great job, especially in zone coverage, passing guys off. And with San Francisco, it was more the pass rush. They just they couldn't they, they couldn't block those guys, especially with Brian Bulaga out. So I'm not as worried about the secondary options. We saw for a four-game stretch without Devontae Adams, that was the best Aaron Rodgers played all season. And that was throwing to Alan Lazard and Jake Kumaro and MVS and Geronimo Allison. And I think most importantly, Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones led the Packers in receiving yards and receptions last week against Washington. That was true against um, the Chiefs. It was true against Dallas. Aaron Jones is an enormous weapon in this in this game. And it, it sort of feels like he is the Space Jam version of, of Alvin Kamara. He, he took the powers of Kamara because Kamara has not been the same. And, and Jones has sort of assumed the mantle as this dual threat part-time player who can absolutely take over and dominate a game in the run or pass game. Yeah, I know Jones has been a big boost for that Packers offense to kind of get them back to the performance that we know they're capable of. It's the same kind of thing you can get with our friends at Blue Chew. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. And because they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. It's not just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who could use extra function to enhance their performance. 
Blue Chew is prescribed online by licensed physicians, so you don't have to go to the doctor's office or wait in line at the pharmacy, and it ships right to your door in a discreet package. Right now, we've got a special deal for Locked On Bears listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. You just pay a few dollars for shipping. Again, that's B L U E Chew.com, promo code Locked On to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. We're breaking down Bears versus Packers on this Crossover Wednesday podcast with Peter Bukowski from Locked On Packers. And Peter, when I think back to week one, you know, Aaron Jones was, the Bears were able to hold him in check a little bit, and, and they were really able to get after Aaron Rodgers in, in a way that it greatly limited what the Packers were able to do offensively. How has the, the offensive line sort of come around? I know there's been some injuries where they've had to rotate guys in, and they just brought in Jared Veld here as a sort of out-of-retirement free agent to potentially add some depth there. What's sort of the, the state of the Packers' offensive line? The offensive line by pass rush, pass rush win rate for um, ESPN has been the number one offensive line all season. Their performance on Sunday was the number one performance by an offensive line according to that uh that stat this season uh there there that's not to say that there there haven't been some issues Brian Bulaga has been awesome for the most part but he got beat for some sacks against um the the 49ers and the Chargers David Bakhtiari has not played up to standard I haven't checked you know his pro football focus numbers lately but uh, he is generally one of the top graded tackles in the league and and I don't think has been there this year the Packers are using more play action to mitigate some of that. Um, Elton Jenkins has been awesome. Corey Lindsley is still one of the best centers in football. Billy Turner has been a, a big upgrade at right guard, even if he hasn't been great. So, you know, I, I think this is a team that they can, if Rodgers is playing on schedule, they're going to do everything they can. Um, and, and there have been some games in the last month where Rodgers just hasn't been touched. And against the Giants, I know the Giants don't have a great a great group of pass rushers, but... Rodgers just sat back there and did whatever he wanted. And for most of the game against Washington, you know, uh, one of our one of our beat writers here made the joke that Rodgers had time to to build a condo back there. And and that has been the case. So uh, the offensive line has been has been pretty good. The occasional lapses unfortunately have just been leading to sacks and blow up plays that have really set this team back. When when you flip it to the other side in terms of getting after the quarterback, I know Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith have been everything that the Packers wanted and more, but has that been the, the I don't want to say the pri- primary, of course they'd be the primary source of the Packers' pass rush, but has it been, I don't want to say only either, but have, how reliant have they been on the Smiths to be able to, to get after quarterbacks? Well, very, uh, and that's what they paid them to be, right? I mean, when when you hand out the kinds of contracts that they did to those players, uh, you're, you're paying, you know, near top of market money for Zadarius Smith. Uh, Preston Smith looks like a bargain. Frankly, so does Zadarius Smith, who leads outside linebackers in pressure right now, um, three, four outside linebackers, and has been a one-man wrecking crew. They've they've found new ways to use him. And Kenny Clark started off really strong. He went through a lull in the sort of middle of the season. There was about a six-week period where it was sort of like, what's wrong with Kenny Clark? Was dealing with a calf injury, a back injury. And the last month or so, he is back to wrecking people. So 
you you have that. Kyler Fackrell is a capable secondary pass rusher. Rashawn Gary has has not really had a lot of playing time. He played a lot more against teams that like to run the ball because he's a very good run defender. Was at Michigan, one of the best run defenders in the country. So, you know, that's something that I think against a team like the Vikings, um, he played a little bit more against the Giants because of it. So they they have a, a, they have some secondary players, but to your point, it is mostly the Smiths, and that's fine because they've been really really good. And Mike Patton has relied on four man pressure pretty consistently. They've been getting home. I mean, they're they're one of the most productive edge duos, if not the most productive edge duo that isn't um, Everson Griffin and Daniel Hunter in the league. Yeah, it's been a, a, an investment that has paid off for Green Bay. And I have to imagine, I know you feel pretty strongly about another investment that has paid off for Green Bay. And I, I would like to sort of give you the floor to um, evaluate the performance of Adrian Amos this season. Bears fans, of course, have long felt that he wasn't enough of a playmaker in terms of getting his hands on the football and in the very sort of visible style of highlight reel playmaking plays. I always contended that he was so good at doing his job and not making mistakes that he was just well worth the money in the consistency that you would get from him. But how how has that sort of played out so far in Green Bay? You know, I have to say, I agreed with you, and, and we knew this, this was not a secret, that I thought that just the consistency was worth the money. He has exceeded my expectations in terms of his playmaking ability. He has been much better as a playmaker than he was sold to me by, well, let's just say people who care about the Bears. And you know, he was awesome against Washington. Had a sack, had a had a terrific pick, had two pass breakups. Yes, one was a play where he got hit in the head, but he was a trail defender uh, in, in zone coverage trying to go make a play and and defend a receiver. So I, I don't fault him for not you know looking back. He's trying to chase a receiver down the field. You have a player who can play everywhere. He plays in the box, yes, but plays deep. He has been the Packers' go-to uh, cover corner against tight ends this season when they've wanted to match a safety up with one of their tight ends and has done a, a pretty good job of it. Uh, Green Bay's problems defending tight ends stem a lot more from Blake Martinez and their inability to cover the middle of the field in zone than it does having a a, a, a safety who can match up with their line or with opposing tight ends. So Green Bay is absolutely getting what they paid for. We can have a discussion about value, um, but for the Packers, there's just no question he's been worth the money they paid him. We'll put a bow on this Bears-Packers preview and wrap up with some predictions for the game next on Locked On Bears. You mentioned Green Bay struggling to cover tight ends. Uh, That does bode well, I think, for the matchup with the Bears where tight end production has been close to non-existent. But the Bears did start to to get it going last week against the Cowboys really for the first time. Would you say at this point that covering tight ends has been their biggest weakness on that side of the ball, or is there something else that jumps to mind? No, I, I, you know, the, the tight ends part, um, you know, it's certainly a weakness, but their biggest weakness is giving up big plays. And they, for most of the season, have led the league in 40-plus in yard plays allowed. I think part of that has been the issues at safety where they've had to play backups, and when they've had to go to these backup hybrid players, then you're bringing Amos down into the box and you're playing a guy like Will Redmond deep or Shannon Sullivan 
when you can have Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos patrolling the back end, it makes it much harder to, to, to get those shot plays down the field. Washington couldn't do it. They took a couple of shots, and Jair Alexander and Darnell Savage were all over it. Um, but but over the course of the season, there have been some issues, especially when Green Bay goes to some of its quarters coverages with um, you know responsibility problems. Zone is not their forte right now, um, even though they have some corners who I think are better zone corners. Kevin King, Josh Jackson, I think are better zone corners than man corners. But generally speaking, when they played man coverage this season, they've, they've been very good. The big play is still the problem, and if they can keep that in check, I mean, they did it for most of the game against San Francisco. They gave up two big plays that broke that game open, and and that was the difference. So, you know, that's that's something that they're going to have to guard against, um, especially because the Bears are happy to let Mitch Trubisky sling it deep. <laughs> that that they are, and just to sort of clarify, when when it comes to big plays against this Packers defense, is it? Is it sort of medium plays that then become big plays sort of because of missed tackles and things after the catch? Or is it really like 40-plus yards in the air being able to get behind the deep coverage? I would say generally speaking, it's more the latter, um, where where you either blow a coverage or you know someone is expecting safety help to the middle and it's not there. Um, the Packers have actually they've been hurt twice. When the safety cuts the crosser and you've got a cornerback playing outside leverage on a receiver who goes to the middle of the field and you need your opposite boundary corner, in this case, Jair Alexander, twice have to get all the way back to the middle of the field. It's a really, really hard play to ask a cornerback to make. In the case of the George Kittle touchdown against San Francisco, it's just a gorgeous play design because they had a screen to the cornerback side who needs to come to the opposite side of the field. That holds Jair Alexander. He can't get back. Against Minnesota in week two, you had a situation where Jair Alexander does get all the way back and nearly makes the interception. You you can say those plays are on Kevin King. They're not really. He, he needs to have help to the inside. That's why he's playing with the outside leverage, expecting the help to the middle. It just never comes because of the play design. Those are the kinds of things... You know they they got uh, they gave up a big play to Travis Kelsey on a blown coverage. They gave up a couple big plays to the Lions on blown coverages. One was a flea flicker. I, I think you'll see um, you'll see Matt Nagy have a special or two that tries to take advantage of of some of the weaknesses in coverage, whether it's a halfback pass or a reverse or something interesting that that tries to get them out of position that way. So I don't think there's much question that the Packers are the better team. Heading into this matchup, I think their records and their paths this season pretty well speak for that. But how how close do you see this one playing? Do you think the Bears can can keep it close through four quarters, or do you think Green Bay can potentially pull away in this one? I really like the way Green Bay's defense is playing right now, and and so I, I think it's going to be a game that that is going to be close because Packers Bears. It is always a game that I that I struggle even when one team is really good and the other team is really bad to predict a blowout win, even though sometimes it does end up that way. I think this is going to be a relatively close game. I think it's going to be relatively low scoring, something like, you know, the Packers win 21-17, um, you know, 20, 24-20, 24-21, something like that. It's going to be close, nip and tuck. And, and even if it's a game that Never really feels like Green Bay is going to lose. That was sort of the Washington game. That was a close game theoretically, but you never really felt like the game was in doubt. That is sort of how I expect this one to play out. It's still going to be nerve-wracking for Packers fans 
because, you know, it's the Bears and you don't want to lose. But I think it's going to be a game where, you know, maybe even late Green Bay needs a, a field goal to extend the lead or a touchdown to take the lead and they get it, something like that. But, it, you know, maybe similar something similar to that 2016 game uh, with Matt Barclay. Was that 2016? That sounds right. I think so. Ty Montgomery had the big game. I'm pretty sure that was the run the table stretch. Jordy Nelson down the field to set up the game winner. Uh, I could see something like that uh, happening as well. But uh, I think it's going to be a good game. I expect it to be a good game, an intense game, a playoff-like atmosphere, as you said. Well, I appreciate you not ending on a, a field goal, a late field goal joke there to, to wrap that up. That was <laughs> very, very respectful of you, Peter. I appreciate you taking the time to do this. This is great, Lauren. I always appreciate talking to you. Thanks again to Peter Bukowski for joining us on the podcast today. If you enjoyed our conversation, make sure you subscribe to keep up with all of our daily Chicago Bears news and analysis. If you really want to help us out, one of the best ways you can support the podcast is to just tell a fellow Bears fan about Locked on Bears. Word of mouth is a great way to reach more of your fellow Bears fans and really help everyone get excited in what is the most critical time of the Chicago Bears season. Because together, you can cheer on this team, enjoy the ups and downs of what's still to come, and most importantly, you can bear down.